0: Phase
1: one. So, that particular section to me really jumps out. Any kind of way, I guess, of the other coins decoupling from Bitcoin. Get an extra 20% when this yield platform opens.
2: We're referring to a white paper that Visa has put together. These liquidity pools that are showing up, and a lot of people are doing these
1: yield farms. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Skinny Monkey Podcast, your home for crypto information. We are back today with another fun filled episode full of great information hope you're having a great day and enjoy the show
2: please note that this conversation is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal or investment advice there may be forward-looking statements where actual results may vary we are not financial advisors nor do any of us play one on tv all investments are subject to risks and uncertainties so please do your own research
1: Mike's a guy that I met through um, Unbanked, through their Discord, and so he's been talking a lot of Unbanked with us. He's, he's well-versed vor- in crypto just as a whole, so um, we were talking about Biden's executive order, and he had a really good idea to come on and, and talk about it, so um, uh, he just got up here. So we're going to let him kind of kind of intro, and Mike, if you don't mind, can you kind of give them a brief intro of yourself as well? Uh, since we're recording today um, and then we'll just hop right into it sure yeah Uh, yeah I've been in crypto since
2: 2017 started out uh, mining crypto mining Ethereum Uh, ran a small crypto uh, mining farm for a while and uh, yeah the proof of work certainly has shown to be uh, taking a lot of power and uh, there's a large investment in that and I, I switched over to proof of stake and we're searching different uh, uh, platforms that were out there and ran across Stellar. Uh, I found a lot of good opportunity on Stellar. I'm, I'm a big fan of Stellar, and uh, you know, Unbanked uh, Ternio launched on there, and um, I'm very excited about uh, you know what's happening with them. So certainly uh, some some fun things. Now they have moved over to uh ethereum they have part of the project on ethereum where they launched their nfts and they're getting into a uh, a yield uh platform that's going to be launched uh hopefully here in um april and that's a non-custodial yield so when we talk about uh regulation and we talk about you know the sec involvement with uh going after things like BlockFi and celsius and uh, crypto.com, uh, they definitely have a different approach. And uh, they are an SEC you know, registered company. And uh, they're going through a second uh, Reg CF round right now, um, focusing on getting to a, a, a Reg A down the road. Uh, as far as uh, the stuff to talk about today, here, this uh, executive order that has come from uh, the Biden administration. Uh, I, I we do need clarity in the space, and that's certainly something that has been, been lacking uh, for some time. It is interesting to read some of these ideas that they're coming across within this. You know, one of the things that uh, I, I was talking with Mike about that is incredibly concerning uh, is just fast forwarding straight to section F. And that is that, um, you know, they say we support technological advances that promote responsible development and use of digital assets. The technology architecture of digital assets has substantial implications for privacy, national security, the operational security and resilience of financial systems, climate change, the ability to exercise human rights, and other national goals. The United States has an interest in ensuring that digital asset technologies and the digital payment ecosystems are developed, designed, and implemented in a responsible manner that includes privacy and security in their architecture, integrates features and controls that defend against illicit exploitation, and reduces negative climate impacts and environmental pollution as many result from some cryptocurrency mining. So that particular section, to me, really jumps out and causes some concern. Uh, you know, Bitcoin is set up on proof of work. And there's certainly been a lot of narrative that's been discussed in regards to how that impacts the uh, the climate. So, you know, the Biden administration certainly has been focused on climate change and making changes with uh, with the United States infrastructure Cutting off the nose despite the face. So, this section here really jumps out as something of concern.
1: Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting too, because we've been hearing a lot just in general about climate change, right? And then also with Bitcoin and the mining and the energy. So, it's kind of, it's all kind of coming together, right? And then with Biden releasing this executive order, it is kind of, that is a bit worrying to hear, kind of like what you're saying with everything kind of coming together with Bitcoin, energy, and the uh and the climate control. So um right, right. And I think uh, you know there's a lot of good things I think
2: that are gonna come out of this. And this is really uh really the 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 official starting block in order for us to be looking at cryptocurrencies as a whole. We are disjointed as a uh, as a government on this. Um, you know, you've got different, different ideas on how this thing should be taxed and handled, and it's really creating a lot of confusion. I mean, CPAs don't even know how to, how to properly do taxes. You, and you look at the, uh, case that was just one down in Texas, that couple had, uh, managed to get their money back from the IRS because, uh, they were getting, they were paying in, uh, on their, their, uh, staking rewards for Tezos so you know we're still in this this process where these um laws are just not in the consumer's favor yet and they, they don't even really know how they want to implement them and i think uh you know to that point they do have some interesting in their opening paragraphs there they have some interesting things that they say stating well you know many activities involving digital assets are within the scope of existing domestic laws and regulations as where the United States has been a global leader. Yeah, I would really question that too. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Um, yeah, so I think um, hopefully, long term, we're going to see something good happen out of this. My biggest concern comes for, for Bitcoin and how they're going to approach Bitcoin. I know that the uh, you know we've we've heard a lot of regulation rhetoric in regards to taming Bitcoin, these uh, derivative markets. Uh, it's certainly shown to impact Bitcoin's movement, uh, and there's so much money that's in these derivative markets outside of the the vertical asset uh, that they're able to take the actual asset, the proper asset itself, and manipulate these markets to their to their preferences. I mean, we see it all the time as we come up to uh, the end of these contract terms. We see these dumps and, and pumps all the time that you know, wipe out these open interest
1: contracts. So, so I'm curious, do you think that this would have any kind of way, I guess, of the other coins decoupling from Bitcoin or the, I guess, the proof of work mining cryptocurrencies decoupling from the um, coins that don't have to use those type of protocols, right? You know, that's a, that's a fantastic question because I guess it's really going to depend on how
2: is this proposition if they take and they create Bitcoin as the enemy and that it's you know damaging the environment, you know, and they manage to gain some sort of foothold on this? Yeah, I could see where something, you know, that's uh, proof of stake based is going to be much more attractive. I'm not sure who they would would pick. I guess Ethereum is next in line. You know, we should be moving to proof of stake on them sometime in the near future. That, uh, yeah, I mean, you take a look at uh, Stellar. And that's a very interesting example of governments having interest in launching their coins on that platform. You know, their central bank digital currencies. If you take a look back here, I think it was 2018, uh, XRP was involved with the United States government in a deep dive on exploring the, the digital dollar for the United States. And currently XRP is involved with... Uh, the UK in their digital dollar exploration program as well, you know, where those those nodes, the, the major authorizing nodes are are not run by an individual. And that's where I think we could see these governments would get involved with something like that, you know, be running a, you know, a hyper ledger with these um, with these nodes and be, be more in control, because right now, you know, there is some there's some questions in regards to how safe uh, Bitcoin is simply because there's so much consolidated mining power into these different
1: mining farms. And I, I do see that as a threat. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to get it's gonna get very interesting. And then you kind of, and I don't want to speculate too much, but, you know, this is public knowledge, right? Like you have the, the Ripple guys meeting with yeah. White House executives, you know, having meetings out there. You have Stellar in front of the House of Representatives. Yeah. And then you have, you know, then you have a piece of legislation, you know, released that looks like this, that has those... Like you're saying, there's concerning aspects for Bitcoin, it does kind of have you get a little bit interesting, uh, interested in it. Uh, I see Derek raising his hand here.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, curious what's it called? Uh, yeah, I remember Elon, uh, talking about Bitcoin and how it wasn't like, uh, friendly to the environment. And do you think like this executive order is gonna change that for Bitcoin or?
2: Yeah, I agree. I think that there's there's definitely some stuff here that makes a lot of sense in regards to regulation. Uh, I know there's a lot of talk right now about uh, concerns with uh, you know, the sanctions on Russia and them being able to bypass them using crypto. So that that does you know also sta- is a standout situation where it makes you wonder, you know, what are they thinking here? You know, what uh, you know, how are they going to go through that regulatory process in order to you know facilitate that? I guess worst case scenario, in my opinion, would be that uh, on-ramps and off-ramps would be at minimum gated, uh, if, if not regulated. So that would mean like, you know, uh, you take a look at something like Monero. Monero is very, very secure. I mean, you can really send some transactions around and send value around without being tracked. I think that that is a very good example of a privacy coin that's probably going to continue to uh, hold value. The question is going to be, though, is where are you going to be able to get on and off that coin to be able to cash out, if you will, and use it? Or does that value end up staying uh, all in Monero? narrow? So it's, it's some interesting questions as this develops. Uh, you know, Bitcoin is incredibly public there's a lot of reasons that that's good and bad. We've seen uh, people around the globe who have been, you know, kidnapped and held for ransom because they've been able to you know, trace back to their, their wallets and understand how much they have. So there has to be some sort of intermediary here. You know, There has to be a happy medium where we have some level of privacy where people just can't pry open and openly see you know your bank account and watch those transactions and it can't be completely closed off like monero um because we do need to have some sort of oversight that's happening so that's it's going to be uh, interesting to see how this goes
3: people are being held for ransom you, I, I never... yeah
2: yeah that was uh, a couple of years ago there was a few people um
3: yeah for the bitcoin wallets Oh snap! Yeah, because like you can ether scan uh, NFTs and see certain wallets. So I feel like that's something that <laughs> might happen if you hold something like a doodle or a like a board. Yacht <laughs> dang. Yeah, track you. Um, and then
1: with the KYC, right? Like if they can track a KYC wallet, and then that whoever's um you know in control of that KYC, if they get compromised, you know, your all your information's kind of out there. So. It is nice to see that they're taking it serious. I guess to your point, Mike, they're they're being you know they're being serious about it and moving forward with it and kind of letting everybody know we're putting together task force. So this is something that will be regulated, uh, you know, at the at the government level, right? So that that is nice to see that that
0: what the future is kind of hold for that. Tyler, go ahead. No, I was just thinking like uh, just listen to it. any kind we were talking about with, like smart lens yesterday, like. That unknown factor of like what's going on right now in the world and how just any kind of information is better than no information. That's pretty much what this buying. It's not as much fine detailed with this uh <laughs> documents he's put out. There's no exact guidelines to anything, but he's giving you his idea of what he expects the future and the near future to hold. What teams he's putting together, what aspects of crypto he's trying to push towards, and by knowing something, it gives you somewhat kind of a comfort. So that's why, you you know, you see price change, you seeing people have a little bit more excitement, a little bit more, even if it's not, you know, good news, any, new, you know, this hearing, uh, you know, that they're making moves towards a future, you know, having regulations gives hope towards, you know, especially commercial investors and stuff like that, because that's where the money's going to come. That's what we're all waiting for. So these regulations. Give right. Us hope. Right. You're absolutely right. And
2: that's uh, that's certainly the very positive side of this right now. The lack of regulation in the
1: space has limited institutional investor involvement. Absolutely. Hey, Mike. So what's your what's your kind of opinion on a timeline on this? So, you know, this is the first, in my opinion, this is the biggest kind of first real piece of news that we've gotten from President Biden. So what's your anticipation on that like the next thing to happen and then kind of when we have full regulations based on what you've read and, that, and you may not be able to answer that. So I'm kind of, it's definitely a, um, speculative question, but kind of what are your
2: thoughts? Well, they, they do call out a number of different timelines in this document, but, uh, you know, some of the, some of the quick numbers are within 180 days of this order, the director of the office of science and technology policy, uh, in consultation with the secretary of treasury and the secretary of energy administration of, uh, the Environmental Protection Agency, chair of the council, blah, 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 uh, that they're going to get together and submit a report uh, on the, the connection between distributed ledger technology, short-term, medium-long-term, economic energy impacts. Then we have, you know, in 90 days of this submission uh, to the Congress of the National Strategy for Combating Terrorism uh, and other illicit uh, financing, you know. So it looks like, you know, the first... Uh, That first goalpost, scanning through this from a timeline perspective, is that combating terrorism. Uh, Then we have the EPA. We've got 210 days from this order. The Secretary of Treasury uh, shall convene and produce a report outlining the specifics and financial stability risks and regulatory gaps. Uh, And then we look at a year out and the submission of the report. Uh, to the Director of Office of Science and Technology Policy, uh, is getting involved and, uh, you know, looking at and identifying different different gaps that need to be addressed. So this uh, there's a lot of different dates um, and different agencies uh, to be involved. I guess it would be interesting to go through and map this out and really understand, um, you know, what does the Gantt chart look like on this? Who's involved? You know when are their their dates, and we know when the government's involved, the stuff never goes. Uh, In the world, never goes smoothly or without without a push pushback. So, uh, I guess you, know, if I was speculating, you know we're probably looking at a minimum of a year uh, to get some base point, and another year probably on implementation. So we could be looking two, possibly three years out before this thing really comes together with all these different agencies, directives and you know, feedback that they need to develop these frameworks uh, to then go through, narrow down these policies and, and produce something. So I guess what does that put us at uh, 2025, uh, 2026?
1: Yeah, and that's kind of what I've been hearing as far as you know. Th- those aren't the timelines that I like to hear at all. I like the uh, more um, optimistic, mooning tomorrow timelines. But um, I think kind of like you're saying, and me and Tyler talk about quite a bit. Uh, you know, the government's going to move slower than even a, a corporate operation, right? Like they, there's a lot of things that they have to get right. They can't. They can't mess up. There are some things that they can mess up that they're that they're going to you know wing maybe but there's a lot of stuff especially when you're talking about finances um to this extent like you're talking about monero right where you really can hide money you know Yep. so there's a there's a lot you know encompassed with this that they have to take into account and i think a lot of people in this space they want it tomorrow they're very excited that you know they they see the future they're uh, smart people, but I think myself included, we get a little bit ahead of ourselves, thinking that these things are going to happen um, faster than than it's looking like they will.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right, and I think uh, you know something else is kind of a takeaway is uh, a number of these different uh, NFT projects that I've been in, you know, looking at fractionalizing assets. Uh, they have legacy financial people that are involved with this, and uh, even they're saying that. This uh, reaching regulatory compliance and being able to move forward with their projects is taking significantly longer that even people, you know, who are veterans in this space, 20 year veterans plus in the space are saying, wow, I did not think it was going to take this long to move forward. So, yeah, I mean, this this has to happen. There's a lot of a lot of things waiting to break loose behind the scenes. And I think the, the good the good thing is, is that we're early. This is still early. And we have a great opportunity. I mean, this really is a once in a life once in a lifetime opportunity for us to be able to go through, uh, be digging into these projects, getting the the, the right uh, ideas where things are headed, and being able to get those early positions in, you know, the, these these businesses, these programs, these platforms that are going to be moving forward,
1: because that's, that's that's where multi generational wealth is made. Absolutely, mean, And then when you when you think it out, like we were saying, you know, you, we have the time, if you can keep your head on straight, right? Like, because there, there are going to be distractions. And whether you, you want to think about it as an intentional distraction, or whether or not it's just, you know, things going on in the world, right? Like, there's going to be ups and downs. And I think, you know, jumping on these spaces, making sure to continue to to, to research to have friends, you know, that are that are optimist, right, and that are going to push you forward, because, it is going to be a long journey. It is super early. So we are going to, you know, we are going to take some losses. We are going to invest in some things that aren't going to be, you know, what we think that they are. But, you know, sticking to the course and, and continuing to study and, and staying positive, I think, is is a big piece here because we are super early. And a lot of us, and again, including myself, we get so excited thinking we're going to be rich next month. Yeah. You know, well, I'm buying a house. I'm buying a car. You know, all this kind of stuff. Exactly. You know? So I think we just need to we need to kind of take a step back and realize that again the government is going to take their time because they have to. And Mike, I think you're right. I think we need to also just reflect on the fact that we are early, and that is a that's a very positive thing. So I, I appreciate you saying that. We need we need to we need to focus on that a little bit more. I think.
2: Yeah, and I, I think the other the uh, another piece of that puzzle is probably uh, risk mitigation. Uh,
1: that, Absolutely, I
2: have not done a very good job with my risk mitigation. I can tell you, I can tell you that, uh, you know, here we are at the end of whatever this last thing was, uh, I'm looking back going, wow, I missed some opportunities and I could have, I could have taken some off the top and, you know, I could have made a, a pretty large improvement in my life and I, I didn't. And that's certainly something that, you know, as I'm going through as educated as I am, uh, you know, as much of a positive outlook as I have. Yeah, I still have lots of room for improvement myself, lots of room.
1: Yeah, and I know me and Tyler in particular were talking about that, you know, how, how it goes, you know, and that's kind of what I was alluding to. You know, it's like he, there's going to be ups and downs. We're going to feel like the moon's here, right? And then, you know, that we're at the finish line and we're not going to be. We're going to come crashing back down and crying again. So I, it's just nice. And it's nice meeting people like you and really everybody, Derek, you know, Glow, Fig, every, everybody on this call. It's it's been nice meeting people like you. And I know Mike, you you said it in particular. When you have a group of people like this, when the market is down, that you can still go to and have these conversations, you can still go to and and have somebody say like, "Dude, we're early." That's awesome. Even when your money is not you know where you want it to be, that's huge. And that's what's going to take you to twenty twenty five. Otherwise you're not going to make it, you know, you're just going to be, you're going to be hurting. So, but, but yeah, I think a lot of us are in that kind of boat, right? Like we thought that we were, we were in the spaceship and it came right on back down. So (laughs) yeah, it's, you know, it's nice to see this order come out to, to kind of give us a little bit of a push. Well, I think uh, I am particularly
2: uh, fond of and looking forward to uh, fractionalized NFTs. I think that our future, you know, as far as, Opening up liquidity and, and providing new liquidity channels is going to exist with NFTs. And that's going to be going through and having things like everything from stadiums uh, to yeah, maybe even, you know, uh, race car driving teams and their cars to you know, artwork that's you know, in the Smithsonian. Being able to have that backed through crowdfunding, basically, and then have, you know, people who own those slices. Uh, be able to use those assets in order to, you know, move their life forward by, you know, collateralizing those into into loans. Uh, because right now there's so much money, you know, in housing and real estate, commercial real estate, small businesses, uh, you know, and there's such a ver- a vertical uh, silo impact that is happening with a lot of these small startups where it's only a few people who've got, you know, the angel investing money that you know are getting in and being able to participate in that. This, this big decentralized movement, and that's really what this is, a decentralized movement in our, our global economy that opens up these, these silos and this illiquidity and you know, provides access to the wealth that already exists, but to a much wider audience. That is the type of stuff that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Uh, and some of the things that are opening up right now with DEXs, we look at how these decentralized exchanges are working and uh, you know, at first, they just did not have any traction because there's there's no liquidity in those markets, and people were very hesitant to be using DEXs because you know a little bit of a uh, little bit of money moves this market you know up and down. So now we're you know we're seeing these liquidity pools that are showing up, and a lot of people are doing these yield farms and uh, you know liquidity pool accesses like uh, Lumen Swap, like uh, uh, Aqua. Those are providing those backbones and put it, putting that depth in at these price points. You know, and the money is being made on the spreads. And that's something when we look at you know, Coinbase, uh, you know, Binance, any, any one of these centralized exchanges, they've been extremely uh, successful because they're making the, the money on people trading. And again, when we look at how that, that environment works, uh, that's a that's a silo that money's all trapped and there's only certain people that are really benefiting from that whereas when we look at you know these these decentralized exchanges and being able to provide liquidity you know you take a look at uh, you know what unbanked is bringing forward with their their yield program here i mean that is that is living life unbanked you know going through and providing these opportunities for you know, guys like you and me you know, you might have, you know, ten, twenty, fifty thousand dollars 50000 that you can put into something like this, and you sure as how aren't making anything in the bank, in uh, the stock market. Honestly, it's a little tenuous, a little tenuous, uh, but to be able to put that to work in something where, you know, you're you're, you're providing liquidity on these trades and looking at 20, 30, maybe even 50% uh, on your money, it's, it's a smart play, it's where things need to go in order for you know, frankly, for the middle class to start rebuilding, because uh, we've really been eroded over the years, and just haven't had the opportunity to to go through and and build up our wealth. And uh, you know, we've we've definitely lost the footing on being able to provide multi generational wealth for our families. So this really, this movement, because that's what it is. It's a, you know, it's a it's a, you know, a decentralized, unbanked movement that's happening. Uh, it's really important for the global community. In order to get our financial freedoms back,
1: yeah, it's huge, and that's that's exactly what it seems like. Um, Unbanked is doing. Hey, Derek, did you uh, did you want to say something? I saw your hand was raised.
3: Oh yeah, he was talking about like the NFT uh, and how it'll be backed by like race cars and stuff like that. So you're talking about like Crypto.com and the stadiums <laughs> like that, um, Michael.
2: Yeah, so uh, I, I'm I'm specifically referring to a white paper that Visa has put together. In regards to how they envision the financial future with nfts and maybe uh maybe mike we can dig that up and and put a link out there a little bit later and people can take a closer look at that um it's very interesting because they they really dig into unlocking these uh illiquid channels and these ideas of how we can go through and and approach that through these non-fungible tokens and you know that's that's certainly one of the things that uh, when we look at stellar They they unfortunately are lacking on the support for fractionalized NFT support. And that's one of the things that right now, uh, you know, Ethereum has been the gold standard. And of course, you know, people are very hesitant to be using Ethereum because of all the gas fees. And that's uh, holding it back. And that's part part of the formula that's holding things back. But their ERC-721 standard, uh, where they can go through and issue the ERC-20s, off of that, uh, that NFT to go through and fractionalize that out that is really becoming the, the gold standard with how we're looking at, at NFTs. There's so many opportunities out there. And I think one of the, the biggest ones, of course, is going to be real estate because there's just so much money that's locked up in real estate and completely illiquid. To be able to, The idea to be able to go through and take your house and to be able to take part of your house and cash it in, uh, so to speak, you know, go through and take, you know, 49% of your house and put it out there for other people to be able to buy. And now you can take that money and use that as you need to for your, for your life. These, these ideas, these constructs of being able to unlock that. Uh, And the same goes for, you know, these small businesses, you know, when you think about these small businesses that are trying to raise capital, you know, and they end up in these predatory terms with, you know, these venture capital sharks, angel investors, you know, they can go through a, a much easier crowdfunding and end up, you know, in a, in a significantly better position for success. And that's all through NFTs. There's because now, you know, there's a, there's a representation, there's a tradable representation. And of course, you know, secondary markets like, uh, our and uh, like IX swap, they're um, going to be providing those those channels in order to supply uh, the, the trading and liquidity for uh, a secondary market on these these NFTs that are asset backed. It's certainly it's very exciting times that, that are ahead of us. I, I do, unfortunately, think it's going to take a while for this thing to come together because there's a lot to it.
0: But these are, you know, these are the foundational days. Derek, you know, you're talking about, like, nft back, like, cars, like, race cars and stuff. A uh, cool concept I heard was over in uh, European uh, football. They, if you own the NFT of each player, the card, like, you could gamble. How, like, you know, gambling is big on, like, <laughs> sports and stuff. So if you own the card and you gamble or bet that that player will score a goal and you own the card, you can get, like, two times uh, the money that you bet. So by owning, own, like, if you were like, an NBA player or whatever. And you own LeBron's card, and you gamble that he scored thirty points, and you own the card or something like that. You would get like two, you know, two or three times the money by owning the card. So it makes it more valuable for those different types of players that bring success, or the race car driver that ends up winning. If you can own part of that NFT, you'll get proportions. That NFT value will go up from his success.
2: Yeah, there's certainly a lot to be said about that as well. And I think uh, when we talk about the uh, fantasy football, you know, and these fantasy games. Uh, holy cow, does that really change that landscape? Because especially if you, you go through, you've got you know an overarching uh, type architecture that's put in place. They have a limited supply of these players that they're putting out there that you can go through and, you know, collect to put together your team. And just like you were talking about, you know, there's all those real-world events that play into, you know, creating those fantasy football team results and, Uh, yeah, the gambling uh, is certainly going to be impacted by by all of
1: this as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I saw like um, Drake gambled like 200,000 worth of Bitcoin or something like that. So that even in the, I guess the pop culture world, they're pushing now that it's easier to gamble with cryptocurrencies, you know, and it is. (laughs) So it, it, you know, that's another angle that we're kind of heading into that the government has to take into account as well, right? Like this is this is going to make it easier and even more untraceable again, back to the Monero thing, like for people to, to kind of, you know, kind of get away with things. So it, 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 you bring in the gambling thing, it gets even more interesting because it makes it easier, more accessible to, to gamble. Right. Well, I
2: think it's my opinion that we're going to see things, things like Monero, they'll be a, they, for all intents and purposes, uh, you won't have a way to get out of them in the United States. I, I think that... Like in-off ramps going to be cut off, I guess? I would think that they may actually be as far, far as as outlawed just because oh, of wow. how easy it is to be able to uh, to hide those transactions. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's an incredibly... I, I have a lot of respect for Monero. <laughs> it, how would they...
0: In- Initially, link your Monero to you. If you if you could go to another uh, offshore, like I guess, I guess bringing it back around to America would be the difficult part. But like like you're saying, you go to another cryptocurrency that's based in another country and try to move out of an area that way. I would assume, and they would be able to link you initially anywhere. I guess
1: hopefully we don't have to worry about that.
0: Well, it's <laughs> it, yeah, it, com- it comes
1: back
2: around to the KYC, right? So anytime that you want to try to cash out, there's going to be a KYC link. And that's that's where the issue is going to come in. You know, that's how they can trace you. But if you if you mine, because you can you can pretty easily mine monero, uh, and you get into that ecosystem where you know you're you're transferring money around through people that have have mined it. You can you can live completely free from the, the government's eyes, absolutely. But you have to be natively into that. There has to be a way that. You're in that system without any traceability. And it is hard to, tra- to track those transactions. It, it really comes down to uh, getting, getting off. So anywhere that you would go through an off-ramp that would have anything tied to you, that's, that's going to be the,
1: the connection point. Otherwise, yeah, Monero is practically untraceable. I did find the Visa link, so I'm going to tweet that out now and then uh, post it for us. Oh, yeah. they did find that. Their white paper. Yeah, there is.
2: That's a fun read. I mean, really, to have uh, a business that's that big and, uh, you know, the position that, you know, uh, us unbanked holders are in um, to have them working with the level that they're working at with unbanked. Oh, man. I just see so much positive future with their new protocol, with that UNBNK protocol that's launching for the uh, collateralized lending and borrowing of NFTs. Because that's when you have when you have real world assets that, you know, are backed, that you can you can have a quantifiable value to that NFT. Um, it's going to be a lot easier to be able to make loans and it's going to be easy for people, especially in a public forum where, you know, they can just look for uh, a lender, somebody who's got you know, part of the Mona Lisa They want to buy a car. They go out and they look into this this forum and they find somebody who's willing to loan them money against that that collateralized asset, you know, rather than have to go through and jump through all the hoops with a bank. Uh, it, it frees things up quite a bit. And then, as as the lender, you have that asset that's on a smart contract. And if they fall through with their agreements. Uh, then you take on the ownership of that asset. It's very digital in the way that it works, and it takes out all, all of the potential arbitration that that could be involved, in, you know, like the leg- legacy type contractual systems, because it's it's all defined up front. You agree to it. It's digital. It's on the blockchain.
1: There you go. Yeah, I like how you said that. Like it's all defined up front. Like it's already built into that smart contract. So there's no, like you're saying, there's no funny business there. You already you know what you're getting into. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm really looking forward
2: to that. I think that's that's going to be a whole nother business model for us that are really uh, deeply involved with uh, with unbanked. Is when that when that opens up. I do think that's going to be a ways away, though. I think we're probably, you know, that could be. I, and it's hard for me to say, but I, I do think it's going to be years before that actually gains some traction.
1: Yeah, I know you had me and uh, Derek the end yesterday, super excited about about those NFTs and just kind of like. Like you were saying, you're you're seeing that as a future business for you, right? Like, you know, those are the, each individual one is a is a business that's going to generate income for you, right? So it, that is that is such an exciting topic for me. Absolutely,
2: the uh, the fact that unbanked number one their their bank or NFT has utility, right? So we're able to take that and get an extra twenty percent when this yield platform opens up. So if you're getting 20% on your money, you own a banker, you're now getting 24%, okay? So that's our level one functionality to the banker. It opens up that extra bit. Now the level two functionality that's coming for the banker is our ability to loan those out to people who have capital to invest but don't have a banker. So now it's a win-win because they can enter into a contract a rental contract with the nft owner and they're going to get an extra amount onto their yield and the owner of the nft now is going to make income off of them using that and you know as a business model my goodness when we look at you're looking at a primary investment i think today the floor is about uh, five six hundred dollars on these and you're looking at being able to you know take these, you got somebody with a hundred thousand, they're putting in a 20% yield, add the banker to it. You're now at 20, uh, you know, 24%. Your cut on that, you know, is going to end up being $2,400. And that's after one year. So when you look at how to go through and value these and understand a quantifiable value structure, to that nft it takes on a whole whole different idea uh because now you have something where you can you can say you can do the math and you can figure out um number one if you want to buy a banker for yourself and you have x amount of money that you want to put in you can take a look against that extra 20 percent and say is it worth it or not you know somebody who's only got maybe five thousand ten thousand they're putting in may not be as inclined but you take someone who has a million dollars that they're going to put in at twenty percent uh, or forty percent, now all of a sudden that banker becomes very interesting and valuable to them. So there's it's a very interesting tiered process that we're looking at. And like I've said before, when uh, they made the commitment that they're they're going down that path to to put together that rental program, yeah, I instantly saw that as a business opportunity. Where, you know, we can go through as holders, you know, and have this this lot of NFTs that we can rent out and produce passive income off of. Exciting times ahead. Definitely exciting times.
1: I mean, it's it's really mind blowing. And I'll just I'll just drop one more piece of information just because I love the unbanked. You mentioned Visa uh, roped in there. You mentioned Stellar. We have Ethereum roped in there, smart contracts. I mean, it's just it really is just a massive opportunity, residual income, beautiful NFTs, right? Made by the same artists as the Pudgy Penguins. I mean, we can we can have and we'll continue to talk about it for, forever.
2: With all the podcasts that are out there. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to ours. Keep tabs on the Twitter feed to see when we'll be holding the next discussion to listen or join in the raw and unfiltered co-creative experience. Until next time, may your crypto gains be Lambo-worthy.